If these types of efforts are pursued by states to remove protections from volunteers um, and frankly from paid fire and EMS, I think we're going to see a significant uh, reduction in the number of persons willing to get involved. Angeles. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me today on another edition of Code 3. This is the show that gives you all the information on a firefighting topic you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. If you're a firefighter or a medic, especially a volunteer, you're able to do that job because the law grants you the ability to do it without fear of legal reprisal if someone decides you made a mistake. That's thanks to qualified immunity laws. But two states have passed new laws that have the effect of eliminating that protection. And it could mean they're in major legal trouble if a taxpayer believes they did something wrong. My guest today is Brad Pinsky. He's an attorney in Syracuse, New York, who specializes in this area of law. He's also a volunteer firefighter, and he was named the IAFC's Training Officer of the Year. He's the author of a couple of books, The Fire Department Law and Management Resource Manual, and The Fire Service Secretary and Treasurer's Manual. And Brad Pinsky joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you. So let's start by defining some terms. What is qualified immunity as it applies to fire and EMS? Sure. Well, let's start with the two words, right? And let's start with the second word. Immunity means you can't lose a lawsuit. Doesn't mean you can't be sued. It means you can't lose a lawsuit. Qualified immunity means you can't lose unless something And usually what that unless is, is unless you did something so bad that it wasn't just accidental or careless, it was really careless. It was reckless. It was almost intentional. So that's what qualified immunity is. Absolute immunity would be you're immune from lawsuit no matter what, or you're immune from losing a lawsuit no matter what. But again, I wanna be clear. Doesn't mean you can't be sued. It just means you can't lose. So now does absolute immunity ever apply to fire and EMS personnel or is it always qualified? No, there's no one way. So most of this is by state law. And these are all statutes that are passed by the state's legislature to protect certain individuals for certain acts. For example, Some states say, we're gonna give you immunity for providing medical care as long as you're not paid. Some states say, we'll give you immunity for providing medical care regardless of whether you're paid, right? There are so many versions of immunity or qualified immunity statutes. Many of your listeners have heard the term qualified immunity or good Samaritan immunity or good Samaritan laws. And a good Samaritan law says, if you're providing a service like CPR without the expectation of being compensated for that service, 
For example, you're not paid to work as a firefighter or EMT. If you just stumble upon somebody and you render service, we will protect you by giving you immunity or qualified immunity. But there are so many versions of what qualified immunity are. It depends on the scenario. Some places say, listen, if you're a doctor and you perform CPR on the street, we'll give you total immunity. Some don't. So again, many, many versions. Every one of your listeners has to go back and look at their specific state laws. Is it fair to say that these laws are intended to protect first responders from, say, grieving family members who are looking for a person on whom to blame their loss? Yes, I I think the reason why these qualified or absolute immunity statutes are passed are to cause people to act. For instance, if I could be personally liable for volunteering as a firefighter, as I have for three decades, I would never volunteer. It's too much liability to risk my financial assets. So to encourage me to volunteer my time, the New York State Legislature has passed several different statutes which provide me, the volunteer firefighter, with some immunity as long as I'm not super egregiously acting in a way I shouldn't. So I think really the reason to some why these exist are to encourage people to take action. For example, the doctor may not perform CPR on somebody in the middle of the street that he just has to come upon if that person could sue him because he probably doesn't have insurance from his own private practice when he's acting outside the scope of his duty as an employee. So the law went further and said, look, we want you to act. We want you to volunteer. We want you to provide services that you're not being paid to provide. And in exchange for encouraging you to act, we're going to give you some protection under these statutes. And I think you're headed for the nut of the problem here. In New Mexico last year, they passed what they called the New Mexico Civil Rights Act. That was the second state to potentially allow people to sue individual first responders. Colorado passed a similar law in 2020. Now, these laws were intended to be applied to police officers, but volunteer fire departments could be subject to them as well. And that's a problem because especially since they can't afford to insure their personnel for the thousands of dollars it would cost to protect against these lawsuits. So if these laws are followed by similar ones in other states, you know, for instance, New York, you just pointed out that you would have a hard time justifying continuing to be a volunteer firefighter. Would that spell the end of volunteer fire and EMS? I would think it will be counterproductive while we're in a time when the volunteer fire service is dying a very fast, quick death, right? And anything we do to discourage persons from volunteering or from even entering the profession, the paid fire profession, I think is a real problem. And I got to tell you that throwing fire and EMS into the same um, bag as police is really a bad idea. I mean, first of all, there aren't a lot of volunteer police agencies. Second of all, police can legally or illegally restrain your civil liberties. And firefighters and EMTs don't really have the opportunity to do that. Um, You know, maybe if you need to be sedated or something because you're a danger to yourself, but really we don't have that same opportunity to violate your civil liberties. So if these types of efforts are pursued by states 
to remove protections from volunteers um, and frankly from paid fire and EMS, I think we're gonna see a significant uh, reduction in the number of persons willing to get involved. In your experience, do firefighters, especially volunteers, pay enough attention to this kind of coverage that they're given by law, or do they just go about what they have to do and not think about it? Well, you know, I can't say everybody doesn't think about it, but I am called, and I just did one last month, where I'm going to firehouses and I'm lecturing to calm the members down, talking about, listen, don't worry about volunteering because, right, there are a lot of protections that are offered. Qualified immunity is just one protection or absolute immunity would just be one protection that's offered. There's a lot of other protections that a number of states have enacted in addition to that. That said, people do worry about it and and you can't say they don't. Does everybody worry about it? Maybe not, but uh, certainly enough do that it would have a significant detrimental impact on the volunteer fire and EMS services if they started removing these protections. Now, I realize that you may not know the specifics of the New Mexico and Colorado laws, but if you can answer this, it would help. Do you feel like maybe they were written in a sloppy fashion that allows fire departments and EMS to be included and they shouldn't have been, or do you think it was intentional? I think people have a bad understanding of the fire and EMS service, but because we wear a uniform and a badge, uh, they lump us in with the police. And I'm not for two seconds saying that the attacks on police are warranted, right? I, I'm not, there's some right. bad cops, of course, and there are bad people in every profession. Um, but you don't dismantle uh, the whole reason people want to get involved for a few bad acts. So I do think that lumping fire and EMS in with the, with the police service is a very bad idea, but I also think that attacking the police is a bad idea as well, just because, again, there are a few bad apples doesn't mean the whole service is, you know, isn't, is a problem. Right, but as you pointed out a while back, the fire department doesn't have the ability to violate your civil rights for the most part, or to state it more simply, fire and EMS are always there to help Sometimes police are there only to enforce the law. I think it's a different world. You know, firefighters, generally their enemy is fire, right? And EMS, their enemy sometimes is the patient, but a lot of times it's really the environment, the traffic, the highway they're on, et cetera. With the police, it's always the person who's their problem, right? It's just a different world. And, and look, a fire can violate your civil rights. We could forcefully enter a building we weren't entitled to go in, but the opportunity is so much less um, and the results are usually less severe uh, when we violate your civil rights on the fire side. But, you know, we don't carry guns uh, for the most part. So, and we don't carry handcuffs. So we're not restraining you as much. Um, I just think that, We've been lumped in with the police unfairly. But again, I also think that uh, attacks on the police force as general, on the service in general, is too widespread as well. Let's focus on the bad apples and the bad practices, but let's not injure people from wanting to serve. And in the volunteer worlds, we can't lose any more people. We got to do whatever we can to get the people. And that's the purpose of the qualified and absolute immunity statutes is to encourage people to volunteer. 
Do you foresee other states passing laws like this because of the atmosphere, let's say, surrounding police? I think so. It'll be what's the next bad incident that happens. Does it involve a firefighter? And they, you know, everyone overreacts and says, oh, my God, all firefighters are, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, I I fear because you. I've seen now like in, law, in a lot of lawsuits against um, the Boy Scouts and fire departments for their junior programs, because in the 60s, uh, there were pedophiles maybe in the Boy Scouts, but they um, they attacked, they harmed some a youth who was in the Explore program of the fire department, maybe. And I'm seeing a lot of that. So what are we going to say? No more Explorer programs or we're going to remove all, you know, protections for the fire department. So now we're not going to take any younger people. I, I think the incident causes an overreaction. Um, not, not that sh some reaction shouldn't happen, but an overreaction. And so, look, we should, of course, identify problems, fix problems. But let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Let's not destroy the whole volunteer fire and EMS service or the paid fire and EMS service and the police service. Let's not destroy everybody for a few bad acts. For that same token, let's go after plumbers because there's a bad plumber. But we don't do that. We do that because you call these people for help. You're supposed to be able to rely on them. And then when they turn against you on the rare occasion that happens, we tend to overreact or react on too broad a net, right? Maybe not overreact is the right word, but certainly we, we tend to react towards the whole service and the institution is bad, not the actors are bad. And we, we need to focus on the actors, not the institution, I think. Um, so yes, this is if more states do this, uh, this is going to have a very harmful effect. What we need to be doing is the opposite, protecting our first responders, not harming our first responders. So to this point, we've spoken primarily of volunteers. In what way would this affect career or paid firefighters? Look, I think it'll affect them less uh, as far as wanting the job. Um, you know, as employees, their employer is always liable. I can't imagine a state that doesn't have what's called vicarious liability, where the employer is liable for the employee. And, you know, but but look, there there are cases where drivers of apparatus who have been involved in a bad accident or fatal drivers of engines are sued personally. Um, and they sue them personally so they could go after the um, after the after their employer. So the issues are the same with the paid and volunteer. It's just that when you're paid, you have another reason to want the job. As a volunteer, you might say, what am I even getting out of this other than a good feeling and serving my community? Why should I risk everything I've worked for? Here, at least in the paid services, you're working, uh, you're getting paid for it. So there's maybe the risks outweigh the, you know, the benefits outweigh the risk. In terms of paid firefighters, where they have qualified immunity, the lawsuit would be against the employer. But I know the old phrase, you can sue anybody for anything. Are they typically included? Yeah, so th that statement's not right. So under qualified immunity, it's trying to protect the employee. And to get to the employer under some theories, like your employee was negligent, you have to sue the employee or name the employee, and then you sue the employer for the acts of the employee. But you have to prove that the employee was liable or negligent or reckless or whatever the standard is in that instance. Um, and if you can't get to the employee because of a qualified immunity statute, 
In some cases, you can't get to the employer. The statutes are written to protect employees and employers. Sometimes it's the same, sometimes it's different. Let me give you an example. In New York State, for example, while volunteers right, who don't get paid are given a higher level of protection under the law, if that volunteer works for an agency that bills, then the protection goes away because the agency itself right, has, um, ha- is getting some financial gain but you'll have a harder time winning against the employee. Uh, It'll just easier to win against the employer. All of this goes aside when we talk about things like negligent training, negligent hiring, negligent supervision. I'm not aware of any state, and not that I follow everyone, that has a qualified or absolute immunity protection on negligent training, hiring, or supervision. And all the time when you see, well, uh, you know, firefighter Joe was driving an engine and got into an accident, or Chief John or Jane, gave bad incident command. Um, You'll see them go after the fire department for negligent training, supervision, and hiring anyway. Um, So there's all sorts of different causes of action and not all qualified immunity or absolute immunity statutes protect against everything. And again, I'm not aware of too many that protect against the latter, the negligent training, hiring, and supervision. It sounds like a real minefield. Is it likely that some of these states who've pass these laws that tend to catch up everybody in the net may rewrite them or is it simply going to be something that we're going to have to deal with? I, I don't, I have not seen a strong attempt across any state. So people shouldn't be real concerned. I, you know, other than a couple exceptions, I haven't seen this national attempt to change the immunity standards and the protections offered to good Samaritans and volunteers and firefighters. I, I just haven't seen that. The court's want to protect the first responders. Most states want to protect the first responders. I think in fairness to some of the legislatures are trying to deal with some maybe systemic or institutional issues, whether it be racism or anything else, bad training or whatever. I think they've been, their their reactions maybe are good hearted, you know, well-intentioned, but again, look how well defunding the police went. Right. I mean, and I'm not trying to be political on your show, but we've have the highest crime rates we've seen because, you know, we don't have the police. We're defunding them or we're cutting their funding and reallocating it. And, you know, I'm not going to get into whether it's good or bad, but you certainly see people rethinking what they should have been doing. But I haven't seen that type of movement nationally on the immunity statutes to remove the Good Samaritan protections that are offered. Well, we'll be watching for developments. Brad Pinsky, thanks for talking with me today on Code 3. Happy to join you. Thank you. As you can tell, this kind of legislation represents a serious problem for the people it affects. If a similar bill is making its way through your state legislature, Make sure you contact your representative to stop it. It's always easier to have them submit a new bill than to fix it after a flawed one has been passed. There's more information on our website at code3podcast.com slash immunity. Take a look. And are you on the Code 3 mailing list yet? If you're not, you should be. You get program notes sent to your email so you'll never miss an important topic. Just go to the website, code3podcast.com, to sign up for the list today. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. 
Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.